This is the Kate Daly Show. Welcome back. Kate Daly Show at your service. I've got Uncle Milty with me. Uh, KateDalyRadio.com. You can get the sound clouds. And of course, go to, uh, you can email me, Kate at KateDalyRadio.com on iTunes. Uh, uh, welcome to all of our listeners across the globe. And uh, we're just happy to have you. Make sure you sell, uh, sell, uh, sell. make sure you send those podcasts to family and friends and, and uh, make sure we're educating uh, out there as much as we possibly can, your inner circle. So I really appreciate that. And of course, uh, on uh, Facebook, it's the Kate Daly Show, so you can go there as well. In fact, uh, our next, um, I'm, I'm excited to talk about this. this. is a different topic and one I've been wanting to talk about. Daniel Miller is the president of the Texas Nationalist Movement and has been a out, really outspoken advocate for Texas independence since 1996. And he's the head of, uh, he's the, of one of the largest and most influential political organizations in Texas. And so Daniel Miller, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, this is an intriguing idea. We've talked a lot in the headlines, uh, maybe the last year, about uh, California wanting to either split into three parts or secede. And, and Texas, uh, this, is a, this is a different idea. I believe in states' rights. I believe that we don't encourage those enough. We don't exercise them enough, that the feds obviously have way too much control. And, and so I, did this start... F- this, did this movement for you or your desire to represent this movement start from that? Or where did it come from? Why did you want to be well, engaged? In I'll tell you, it, it really was, was rooted in uh, just my upbringing. I'm a sixth generation Texan. Mm-hmm. And, and while that plays a large part in it now, mm-hmm. uh, at the time, you know, I was, uh, I was just a, a true blue, red, white, and, and blue kiddo. But I was always taught uh, that you were a Texan, you know? Right. So, uh, but, but I'll tell you, my, my parents were from an older generation. Dad was born in 32. Mom was born in 28 and, mm-hmm. and watching them, you know, they were truly blue collar, uh, always made enough to get by, but never enough to get ahead, but they were always very politically aware nice. and, and really, and truly uh, a lot of my motivation came from watching my, my parents' interactions growing up with, the federal government, the political system, and then after becoming an adult, going out and doing those same things and, and realizing that for people who revere human rights, you know, these individual God-given inalienable rights and revere a constitutional republic, there was no mechanism within the system itself to, to go out there and, and really advocate for those. And so in 1996, the idea I became aware of the idea of of Texas perhaps leaving the union as being a place to preserve those constitutional rights and those fundamental liberties. And and that's where it really started for me. You know, I, I really weighed the pros and cons. It was not an emotional decision. It was not a reactionary decision. It was a, a very conscious decision uh, to to pursue Texas becoming an independent nation. I like it. I, the reason I like it is because we have become so entrenched 
that we think there's no other way. Mm-hmm. We think that we have to have the feds into every corner of our business, that we have created the chains to the feds, and that they have abused and used those to the hilt. And so I think there are very weak governors out there that would uh, uh, strain at the thought of thinking that they were ever going to secede. And so I love this notion because I think what it does is it brings people back to the notion of can a state stand alone? And so the biggest question out there would probably be, and I know Uncle Milty has questions too, but would probably be, can Texas stand alone without favors from the feds and money from the feds? And can you, could you basically do it with, and give up you know, that portion of the fed control? Well, look, the federal government is not exactly the best kind of help you can get. Right? <laughs> That's an understatement. <laughs> yeah. right? Especially here yeah. in Texas. Right. Uh, you know, one, one of the things that we, we look at, and, and as we educate people on this issue, and, and I cover it in depth in the book, is really analyzing would Texas be better off as an independent nation. And, and there are a couple things that, that you got to keep in mind. Number one is is that Texas is a net contributor into the federal system. So mm-hmm. Texas, as a state of the union, overpays anywhere from 100 to $150 billion every single solitary year. That's, uh, you know, to put it in perspective for, for folks that are, you know, that just got through watching what happened with Hurricane Harvey, that's literally like Hurricane Harvey hitting the Texas coast every nine months. I mean, wow. that's the impact that's taken out of us. And so what it really boils down to, though, is, is you look at it from that standpoint, first off, and then you look at what the negative impact of the federal government is beyond that, whether it be overregulation, uh, whether it be the encroachment upon the sovereignty of the state or overturning the decisions that Texas voters make. Right. And so you get down to and distill it down. It's like Texans are just sick and tired of being governed by 180,000 pages of federal laws, rules, and regulations administered by two and a half million unelected bureaucrats. Yeah. I'm I'm actually glad you brought that part of it up because I was thinking financially would be the first concern for any state, but it's the laws and regulations. Amen to that. I I think, go ahead. Well, Kate, and not to interrupt, I mean, I I just wanted to reinforce that point. It's something that I talk about in the book. There was a a study that came out, and this is not Texas-specific, mind you, but there was a study that was released by uh, George Mason University that Mm -hmm. dealt specifically with the negative effects of federal overregulation and this regulatory accumulation, you know, where they Mm -hmm. put a regulation in and then another regulation and then another regulation on top of that. And and so what they did was they studied the effect of this regulatory accumulation from 1949 to the time the study was released. And what they found was, is that at the time the study was released, the the median household income was just north of $52,000 a year. And, and what they said was, is that in the absence of that federal regulatory accumulation, the median household income would have been about $330,000 annually. So, I mean, if you want to talk about what the federal government does beyond taxes and, and you know, all of right. the, the very blatant things that it does, I mean, they are sapping the wealth and energy from the people who are producing in this country just by the overregulation. Amen to that. Amen to that. And so those, the, uh, the resistance against this movement, um, are we just talking those that uh, maybe would live in your larger cities that are maybe of the liberal progressive uh, mindset, uh, the, the, gover- the, the lovers of government, everything government? Um, how, do, how, do your, how do conservatives feel about this in general? Well, I mean, I'll, I'll, well I'll tell you, here, here's the great part about it. You uh-huh. know, the, the fact of the matter is, is this has been coming up 
often. Mm-hmm. You know, the, this idea of Texas leaving the union, and it, it just seems all too often that the mainstream media has a tendency to uh, address it and then ignore it, and, and yet the movement continues on and grows. And right. so back in, in 2014, uh, there, uh, Reuters conducted a poll right around the time of the Scottish independence referendum. You know, the Scots were going to the polls to vote on their independence, and so Reuters decided they would have a lark and they would poll this issue across all the states. And when they released the data from every state, it said that about 35% of the people would entertain their state leaving. So what we did was, knowing how these pollsters typically report their numbers, or at least misreport them, we got a hold of the actual data from the polling. And here's what we found out in Texas. 54% of Republicans, half of independent voters, and 35% of Democrats said that they believe that Texas should leave the union and become an independent country. Wow. So we, we, we've steadily seen this increase in the poll numbers over the last 10 to 15 years, and it just continues to grow. Nice. I like this. Uh, the book is uh, Why and How Texas Will Leave the Union. I like that. They're going to. It's not, it's not an <laughs> if. It's uh, why and how Texas will leave the, leave the union. And we're speaking with Daniel Miller. So do you think that the, the uh, federal government would, would really make a huge effort to prevent that? Well, I think so. I think you, I think you saw sort of a, a microcosm of this if you followed what happened with Brexit and, and even the aforementioned Scottish mm-hmm. uh, independence referendum. I mean, there is a, <clears throat> there's always a, a resistance of the people that hold and wield the power mm-hmm. and the authority to returning that right of self-government to people. And so just like the EU and, and its cronies within the UK fought against Brexit, uh, you know, you're, you're going to see that kind of resistance and how that manifests. I mean, everyone loves to kind of take their mind back to the 1860s and say, well, you know, we'll have another civil war. Mm-hmm. That's that's not that's that's probably the least likely scenario mm-hmm. of all. Right. But what you're likely to see is exactly what you saw in Scotland and what you saw with Brexit <clears throat> is is the other side spending enormous amounts of money spreading fear and misinformation. And and it's one of the reasons, literally in the book, I created a a chapter called Project Fear, because we we suffer from our very own form of Project Fear here. I mean, look, we we hear all these arguments, and they are so similar to what happened with Brexit and the the indie rep in Scotland, that it's just, it's almost laughable. I think these guys all go to a class Mm -hmm. to learn how to be fear mongers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I want to take a caller for you. Uh, Caller, you're on the line with author Daniel, Daniel Miller. Go right ahead. Hey, thanks. Hey, I I got a bunch of friends from Sugarland, Texas, and for the years and years they've always said that Texas was going to succeed from the union. Do you feel like if that were to happen, like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I live here in Utah, Mm -hmm. and I know that, at least me personally, I feel like I would hope my state would be on board with even following suit. Do you think that would cause a domino effect at all? There you go. I'll let you answer that off air. Go right ahead. Daniel, what do you think? Yeah, look, I'll tell you this. This is from what I have seen. I know that at the time the book was written, there Mm -hmm. were 35 states that had sovereignty or outright independence movements within the union. And while the the Texas book is, is really about looking at this issue through the lens of what's happening here in Texas, it brings up a lot of points that I feel every state should be talking about right now. I mean, it's not just Texas that suffers with the burden of federal overregulation, although 
the, the studies show that, that we bear a disproportionate share of it. Uh, but, but the fact of the matter is, is that I, I believe that everyone in every state should be reexamining their relationship within the union. Now, what that means in practical terms on the other side of this, uh, you know, the fear mongers will tell you that it will be disintegrated and, and splintered and, mm-hmm. you know, we won't be able to get the trash picked up and it will be anarchy and chaos. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is we have perfect examples all around the world where there are over 195 recognized countries that are able to defend one another, trade with one another, travel between one another with absolutely no problems whatsoever. So we don't have to be in an absolute political and economic union to be friends and neighbors and travel and trade with one another and mm-hmm. defend one another and share common interests. As as this as this was happening, do you are you pretty convinced that it would line up with the uh, net contributors versus the have-nots? I don't know that that's the case. I, I think that the economic case could probably be made by many of the states, uh, if not if not all of them, that the, being a part of the federal union, even the ones that are net recipients of federal money. Uh, And and the reason being that part of the reason that they are net recipients is that the federal system keeps so many of their citizens and their businesses overregulated to the point that people live at or below the poverty line or it becomes almost impossible to start businesses, which are the engine of of innovation in these states. So, you know, this is, uh, you know, when when states begin to look at this, you know, there was this question, and and Kate, you asked it Mm -hmm. at the very beginning, could Texas stand alone? Right. No no independent nation in the world stands alone. I mean, let's be honest, Mm -hmm. even... Even China trades with uh, with sure. North Korea. Sure. You know, I mean, everyone can have a friend, right? Right, but right. Texas and any of these other states would have the opportunity not just to trade amongst one another, mm-hmm. but open themselves up entirely to the world. And and that's the thing. It's not a matter of, of gauging self sufficiency. It's a matter of of, of having viable policies and, and active engagement with the remainder of the world. Yeah. Yeah. And it'd be interesting to uh, talk with you after the break. The break's in a couple minutes, but talk to you about what this re- what this looks like in in practical terms mm-hmm. for those living in Texas, um, because I'm sure people are curious. And I, I, you know, we've been trained. We have been trained for hundred and some odd years that this is the only way to do it. That the feds have to be there at every turn. And so I think I think more or less it's people just not understanding the founders, what they had in mind. It's kind of like immigration. Everybody's been talking about immigration, right? Um, well, if Texas could handle their own and do it the way they wanted to do it, uh, and the states could do that, how much healthier would that be? Yes. I actually think it would be healthier. That's what Thomas Jefferson wanted. And so uh, there's a lot of things I think that could be remedied through this. I think people are so brainwashed. It's, it's curing the brainwash of we have to have the feds. So, you know, I, I don't I, I think that's really the one thing that uh, that would that would place that fear. But you wrote the chapter on fear. So I'm just guessing. But that <laughs> is that is that it's just the brainwashing that we've had for all these years because they had to have their role expanded when they gave themselves authority. Yeah, I'll tell you, one of the one of the things that I have witnessed, uh, especially over the last six to eight years mm-hmm. uh, in, in doing this is how. I've been watching how people here in Texas have become more and more resistant to this fear mongering. You know, I always I talk about at the very beginning of the book how 
that one of the, the biggest challenges we have is that the debate over this has been reduced to the federal government doing something bad, mm-hmm. Texans slapping secede stickers on the back of their pickup trucks, mm-hmm. the mainstream media then dragging out some third-rate adjunct professor from Bug Tussle Community College right, saying right. you can't do that. We're gonna and we're, then you know we're gonna come right back. We're gonna come right back. More with Daniel uh, Miller when we come back. The book is called Why and How Texas Will Leave the Union. Hang on, just a moment. He'll be right back. Right now, breaking news here, stocks all around the world are tanking because of the crisis on Wall Street. Uh, So almost everything there completely wiped out. And the NASDAQ, everything and more has been completely wiped out. We're in the last days of this country surviving. Over $20 trillion in federal debt? The day of reckoning is coming, and they didn't warn you in 2002 or 2008, did they? Can you afford to risk your retirement money? Don't be a lemming for risk-based financial planning. What if you could participate in stock market gains with absolutely zero stock market risk? I'm Lyle Boss, president of Boss Financial. Call me now for your free safe money book at 855-355-SAFE. That's 855-355-7233. The sins of wasteful government spending must be reconciled. Call me before the market crashes. That number is 855-355-7233. In the St. George area, there are about 400 new cancer cases every year. That's like 400 Sharons, the owner of the bakery downtown. Mm. Or 400 Daves, the mechanic at your go-to car shop. It's also like 400 Jareds, your child's best friend and captain of the football team. This fall, Intermountain Healthcare will open their new comprehensive cancer center dedicated to providing state-of-the-art cancer services. It will offer those 400 and others care never before available in southern Utah through nationally recognized specialists, top-of-the-line cancer treatments and technology, and precision genomics. About 400 of our family, friends, and neighbors get cancer every year. But soon, the caregivers at Intermountain Cancer Center of St. George can help each Sharon, Dave, and Jared fight cancer and live their healthiest life possible. Visit intermountain.com slash cancer center SG. Intermountain Cancer Center of St. George. Healing for life. This is Kate Daly. My sponsors are the best. Boulevard Mattress, located at Boulevard Home Furnishings. Get an incredible mattress at a low, low price. And St. George Massage, stgeorgemassage.com to schedule today. No messy memberships, just an incredible massage. You deserve it, and it makes a great gift for someone you love. A big thank you to Piano Gallery, the Piano Gallery Music Health and Wellness Center, 144 West Brigham Road, just off the Bloomington exit behind Zions Bank. Discover wellness through music. On the web at pianogallery.com. The red tags are back at Stephen Way. So many vehicles, so little time. Toyotas, Buicks, Chevys, Fords, Hondas, Jeeps, Hyundai, Nissan, Acura, BMW, Lincolns, Mazda, Chrysler, Fiat, Subaru, Kia, Dodge, Scion, Minis, Audi, Lexus, and GMC. Cadillacs and Mercedes-Benz, too. Every car at every dealership is red tagged at their lowest price of the year. 2,000 new and 800 used cars, trucks, and SUVs. Hundreds under $10,000. Don't miss this sale. It's Stephen Way. Visit StephenWay.com for more info. Talk lines are open now. Call 888-673-1450. This is the Kate Daly Show. Down Fredericksburg, you don't miss me. Don't live in Austin. You ain't a little weird. Hi there. Welcome.
welcome back to the Kate Daly Show, and uh, we welcome you back. I've got Uncle Milty with me today, mm-hmm. and of course, uh, we've got a great guest, author Daniel Miller. I'm so glad, I'm so happy to have him. Uh, we're talking about his book, Why and How Texas Will Leave the Union. You must grab this book because I think we all need an education in this, and uh, and I think it, like I said in the very beginning, and like you stated earlier, this shines a light on states and federal government and how they work together and maybe some authority that was had by the feds that shouldn't have been had. And so the states need to lead out. And I, I can so appreciate that. Welcome back, Daniel Miller. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. You can get this uh, book on Amazon as well, by the way, um, and Barnes & Noble, too. So uh, make sure you go there. In <clears> fact, <throat> uh, your website is uh, defiancepress.com. And DanielOmiller.com. Yep. Okay. Um, so I, we were just talking on the break, and I'd love for you to express that all over again. When, when he said something, I said, please just say that when we go back on the air, because I'm serious. Uh, you, you said it so eloquently. I was talking about what does this look like uh, practically, and, and um, because I want people to understand how a, what, what this would do in practical terms. And so how would you answer that? Well, yeah, I heard during the break, we were talking about this, this idea of the word secession. Mm-hmm. And it, it really, you know, one of, one of the things that the people really are having a hard time with is when you when the word secession comes up, it, it has a very specific definition. Yes. <laughs> and the, the problem is, is you've got a definition that exists in popular culture, and then you've got one that exists from a, a legal standpoint. And one of the things that I talk about in the book is, is how though is how really Texas is not necessarily secession, and, and frankly, neither would any of the other states. Uh, although it was popularly called that back in the 1860s when it happened, mm-hmm. it, it's not. Given the construction of the union, the way that it was founded, it technically is not that. And it really all depends on how you look at at what the union is. If the union is as the founders and framers intended a union of independent, free, and sovereign states, then what you're talking about is essentially withdrawal of membership from that union, from that political body, mm-hmm. and, and as opposed to a secession, which would be carving out a territory and claiming governance over that particular territory. So, uh, you know, that would make it, I think, a counter to something like what happened in Sudan where they partitioned the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a true secession. This is talking about withdrawal of membership. Yeah, I like that. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I think when, um, w- when the federal government started really substantiating their role and favors started going back and forth, how, how has Texas dealt with this? Because when you said that, that, that a, a pretty good portion of the people there would love to secede, so that tells me that a pretty good portion of the people there see uh, the role of the state and the federal government somewhat in its proper form. I don't think very many people are educated out there, but we're, you know, you're trying, we're all, we're all trying. And so I, I guess uh, I would want to know how, um, what's a better way to say this? Uh, how, how, when we're, when we're talking about the role of feds and, and how Texas has treated that, Texas always seems like it's come out pretty strong and pretty on their own to me. For some reason, that your state and the union, I, I feel like you guys have had that idea for a long, long time. So is, is it hard to, um, 
I, I don't think it's hard to imagine, I think, for the rest of the country that Texas would do that. But that took strong people along the way to know the proper role of government. So there must be something in the water there that teaches that a little bit more than everywhere else, I'm guessing. Well, there is a cultural thread. Uh, and, and again, I, not to be repetitive, but I, I actually address that in the book because there right. are this idea of, of independence and and you know, really mm -hmm. being in charge of our own destiny is something that runs all the way back to when Texas was an independent republic, back in our revolution with Mexico, when we left mm -hmm. Mexico. Uh, you know, this, this idea of fierce independence, it was even Sam Houston, who was, you know, the general of the Texian army during the revolution. Mm -hmm. He was the first president of the Republic of Texas. It was him who said that uh, the, gover the, the government that governs best governs least. Yes. Uh, so this is something that, that we have had, and that's why you see our, our current governor, Greg Abbott, when he was attorney general, he sued the Obama administration over 60 times. Uh, you know, it is, it is this fierce resistance to this encroachment. Uh, mm -hmm. Article 1, Section 1 of the Texas Constitution starts off with the words, Texas is a free and independent state subject only to the Constitution. So, it, you know, there is, is always been this part of our DNA. As a matter of fact, when people from outside of Texas look at this, first and foremost, most people wonder why we haven't done it already. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but second, they, they almost anticipate that it's going to happen at any moment. Right. And um, we have a caller waiting, but first I wanted to ask you this question because you just brought that up. And that is, is this why Texas has now the first depository of, of gold in their state? This is the first state to do this, correct? Uh, yeah, well, this is the first state, and our organization did uh, had no small role uh, <laughs> in, awesome. in making that happen. That is uh, awesome. Economic independence is, is huge for us. Yes, yes. As I thought, is that a precursor to them going? I thought, you know, they're carefully laid plans, and and uh, and so I thought of that when I when I saw those articles come out. Uh, caller, go ahead. You have a question for author Daniel Miller. Uh, yes, Daniel, uh, I do have a question. First, I'd like to just acknowledge that. You are so right. The federal government has violated its contract with every state. Every state in this nation, if they read the Constitution, the contract should be seceding. 80, uh, the studies have done 80, uh, shown about 85% of the federal government activity is unconstitutional, expenditures and activity. Uh, but the question is, the federal government has given us so much socialism, and one big example of that is Social Security. About 50 million Americans are dependent on Medicare and Social Security. So what do you say to the Texans uh, that, have, uh, that are now uh, receiving Social Security, about mm -hmm. to receive it? How are they going to get it under your system? Ooh, good question. Thank or you. Th Go ahead. Go ahead, Daniel. And hey, th th mm -hmm. thank you for that question because uh, honestly, outside of some of the more fundamental, that is one of the most asked questions that we get. And I think it's a, a, t a testament to uh, how people have come to rely on sort of that, that federal government. I mean, they paid into the system, they should get paid out. Right. Uh, so th there are two things to bear in mind. Number one is the, the Social Security and, and federal retirement benefit payments are obligations between the federal government and the individuals. Matter of fact, if you go to the Social Security uh, website, they have an entire pamphlet and brochure on how to collect your earned Social Security benefits when you live outside of the United States. Yes. So those are those are personal obligations, and and that's up to the United States. However, from a Texan standpoint, if the United States federal government decided to default on that, uh, the amount of of federal money that comes into Texas for that is about $74 billion each and every single year. And so when you roll that in to the, you know, 100 to $150 billion a year overpayment, 
if if the federal government decides that they won't honor their promise, mm-hmm. Texas will definitely step in and can make that happen. We'll have the wherewithal to do that. Nice. nice. Okay. Here's another caller for you. Uh, caller, you're on the line with Daniel Miller. Yeah, well, actually, I'm a Texan, and one of the things I also like that Texas has done, they separated themselves from the Federal Energy Commission. They do not have an inner tie with their grid. They independently have their own electric system that operates in the state. Nice. I did not know this. Uh, you want to comment? Did you have a question for Dan? You want to make, or you just want to make that comment? No, I, as a Texan, I'm just really proud. That's one of the other things that Texas has done to show their independence. I love it. All right. Uh, thank you, uh, Daniel. Uh, thoughts on that? I didn't even know that. We're, yeah, we're even, we're even independent in our energy grid. I mean, if you look at the, the way the electrical grid is lined out in, in the continental U.S., there's the eastern grid, the western grid, and the Texas grid. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, and, and Texas has, has been very careful to fight against any interconnects between the other two because, you know, as, as the energy issues happen and you have states that have these rolling blackouts, there's a tendency to want to tap into those other grids. And Texas has been very resistant to those interconnects. Wow. I love that. Okay, let's take another caller. Hi, caller. You're on the line with Daniel Miller. Go right ahead. Yes, and you're talking about self-reliance. Self-reliance as far as Texas independence goes, how would they deal with the uh, defense defense security of the of their new oh. country? Mm-hmm. Okay. Would they take care of that themselves, or would they would they come crying to everybody else to bail them out when they go get in a world war? <laughs> okay, thank you. What do you think, Daniel? Well, well, first and foremost, if you if you see a Texan crying, that means that they're watching <laughs> Old Yeller. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> let's, get, let's get that straight right off the bat. Oh, that's great. Uh, no, look, look. Here, here's the thing to understand: is that if if Texas funded a military, if an independent Texas had no other defense agreements with the United States or anyone else, uh, if Texas funded its military at what the minimum NATO standards that have been set, which is about 2% of GDP, we would have the fifth most well-funded military in the world, okay, Mm -hmm. because our GDP, we're one of the top 10 in the world. So that's not going to be an issue for us. I mean, Texas already has its own military forces. Mm -hmm. Uh, Matter of fact, you can Google it right now, Texas Military Department, and you'll see all about the military that Texas has right now. Uh, but that being said, I think it's I think it's important to look at these things as they are. People don't have people in states don't have to be part of a of absolute political and economic union mm-hmm. to agree that they have mutual defense concerns. Matter of fact, you know the United States is part of NATO. So are Germany, France, and the UK. But no one would ever say that the UK, France, and Germany mm-hmm. would uh, have to become states of the union just mm-hmm. to have that uh, that mutual agreement for protection so okay. the the co- the defense concerns that texas have are shared by the united states and so there is every reason for the united states federal government or whatever becomes left of the united states to cooperate in defense matters here in the western hemisphere is sure there, they yeah. no way would uh, the united right. states want to leave a hole the size of texas in their <laughs> southern border right no that's well, true you know yeah. it's like someone asked you know one of the honestly one of the lamest questions that i get and I, I hate to say it that way but that just frankly it is lame as they say well what are you going to do when mexico invades it's like first off our organization has more members than the military right. of mexico yeah. okay so yeah. we, let's get that squared away and then the second is you would have to be an absolute 
idiot to mm-hmm. invade a country where there is an average of eight guns for every man, woman, and child on the <laughs> yeah, soil. There yep. you go. I love that. And I mean, what, what would you do? What, per, what percentage is uh, liberal progressive in your state? Well, uh, if, if you look at the polls, uh, a, a losing percentage. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> very, uh, you know, e- even our Democrats here go right. up north somewhere and they get yeah. called right wing, right wing nuts. I mean, oh, it, it happens. So. Wow. Okay. Because I was wondering, when those people leave because they they want to be entrenched with with Feds, uh, I just wondered, you know, how, how long that gap will will take to fill financially, economically. But my my actual question was because we are kind of running out of time. But is there is there anything else besides defense um, that you would have? Uh, an arrangement with the feds is there anything else that you would that you would want them to be a part of i'm just curious well no well i think it's i think you have to look at it from the standpoint of what do nations do normally Mm -hmm. i mean there are 195 plus nations out there what do they do normally well Trade agreements. I mean, I think mm-hmm. it would make total sense to have uh, some sort of trade agreement, uh, a pot- potentially uh, an informal or formal currency union or not. I mean, just depends on how that suits out. You know, travel agreements. I mean, there are probably a hundred plus international conventions that Texas would sign on to mm-hmm. almost immediately. So we're, we're going to have to deal. But the difference becomes now we're dealing not as a forced subordinate of this federal overlord, Mm -hmm. but as an equal as we were meant to in the first place. Okay, so they're angry and they want to charge you more for the trade. They really want to make it hard for you because they did not want you to go. Are you self-sufficient? Yeah, I mean, look, Texas, even if the United States wanted to make it difficult, there Uh will be about 194 other countries around the world that Texas could open up (laughs) trade with. So it's not a problem. Yeah, I didn't think it would be. So I'm going to buy the book and sell my house and move to Texas. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I think, you know what? Do you know how many people would move? Do you know how many, do you know the influx of people? Oh my I, was, I was talking about liberals leaving, uh, which I think, I don't think Texas would be pretty happy with that. But I mean, the people coming in, I don't think you could keep them out. You'd have to do a lottery for people coming in. You think? Yeah, it would. Yeah, we, we would probably have to worry about uh, yeah. t- put less emphasis on the Rio Grande and more on the red and the Sabine. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, it's such an interesting idea because this book, uh, I'm serious. I think everyone should read this to to really grasp not only the roles of states and the roles of the feds and how far off the mark we've gone, but also how this could work getting back to states' rights. And I really applaud that you are a part of this because what an education for people in general. I mean, my gosh. This is fantastic. Yes. The book is Why and How Texas Will Leave the Union. And a fascinating discussion. I really want to have you back. Super. Well, look, I really appreciate it. And I, I would just encourage, even if people are on the bubble about it uh-huh. or decided, undecided, okay. just take a, take a read. Whether yeah. you live yep. in Texas or not, it, It's these are this is information that people need to understand if they're going to continue to live in the union together. I agree. The website is Defiance Press, defiancepress.com or danielomiller.com. Thank you, Daniel. It's been a treat. Really appreciate it. Thank you you guys so much. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, We'll be right back on the Kate Daly Show. Don't go anywhere.